Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following session was recorded in Los Angeles in 2004. It is another of the archived sessions that we had on previous media and have remastered for the podcast channel. It's called Showing Up as Love. I'd like to also mention that we are having live Dharma Dialogues sessions in Mount Martha, Victoria, beginning in February 2023, twice a month. Our schedule is on the website, katherineagram.com. So I would like to ask you to notice tonight, beginning now, the way that all thought disappears immediately when it arises. It's not a matter of making making thought go away. You can't possibly keep it. It goes on its own, every single thought. And you're left just in this complete open freshness when you notice this. Let all this worry and rumination and planning and mulling over, going over the story yet again. Let it just, as though it's being pulled into space, because that's what's happening. Notice that. Just for this evening, make an experiment. See if you like that. If you like noticing the space, the quiet. Not making the thought go away. It drifts on its own. It goes immediately. As I like to say, it's a whisper in a cathedral. Nothing. In our day, we use thought, we use functional thought, I call it, to get around and to do our jobs and to take care of ourselves in various ways. But here, right now, for this evening, you don't really have to do any of those things. You're here, you're sitting. There's not much functionality required. So simply notice the presence of being, the quietude in your heart, the ease. Give your mind the night off, the worry, the planning, the judging. Let it have a break tonight. Probably been working very hard. And speak from this. Speak from this tonight. What you just said reminded me of the words that I have in my own head, which I would call living without resistance. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
And um, the way I would say it is, whatever is going to happen is going to happen anyway. <laughs> so why fight it? Mm -hmm. And over the past year and a half, I guess, what's developed in me is a greater sense of trust, but not in anything Yes. that I could name. Yeah. There's a line in the Third Zen Patriarch's stanzas, and it's, it's something like, the way is, is one with the trusting mind. And it's, it's really about this kind of trust. It's not a trust in anything. It's in anything in particular. Mm -hmm. It's a trusting heart that is in surrender to what is. Because then no matter what happens, your experience is that of surrender. It is saying, okay, yes to this, yes to this. And that's the trust that develops. That whatever comes, whatever it is, it's a very different thing. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, have faith. It's all meant to work out. And usually what they secretly mean is that it's going to work out in a way that they think is a good way, that they have a picture of. Being in the state of not knowing is really wonderful. Yes. It's lovely. We all love a good mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I experience myself living in that trust, and that's really great. But at, at times, I start looking at it, and I wonder if it's a belief system that I have that everything will work out okay. You know, it's like, I mean, that's my experience that everything works out, you know, just great, fine. Well, it's, it, the, it's a redefining of what the okayness really is. It's not that things out there turn out to be always to one's advantage or to, you know, everybody ends up, it's not a happy ending, you know. Everyone dies, as you've heard me say many times. <laughs> The okayness is really an internal reality. You know, the okayness is where you're saying, yes, yes to everyone dies. Yes to this thing happened. You had a car accident. Your insurance got dropped. Yes to all of it. That's the okayness. And it's not that you're gleeful about those kinds of things, but there's some part of you that's just not fighting what is. You're not in resistance if it already happened then you're not adding, you're not compounding the difficulty by a big mental fight. Yeah, I, I get that, but sometimes I doubt myself in thinking that it's a belief system that I've adopted that I don't really have to do, you know? Have to do? I don't have to do to control the world. I don't have to make things happen. I don't have to. Have you been controlling the world? No. <laughs> and have you been making things happen? No. <laughs> okay. So whether you think you have to or not, you're not going to be. 
<laughs> well, which is really great. Huh? <laughs> it's really great. It is it? really great. Yeah. Yes. Not yes, doing. you get to not really relax <laughs> <laughs> and not do. Simone and I were having an interview today and, and talking about Punjaji and about the fact that really he didn't do much. I mean, he, he had a big life, he had an interesting life, but it wasn't that he was producing. And I was saying, you know, he left this world, he didn't leave any stuff behind in this world. He only left behind love and awakening. And that was so powerful. He left that in a certain number of people. And that keeps going and keeps blazing out and affecting more people. And that's all he left in this world. And it seems to me it's a greater gift than any of the doing and producing and building and all of that that we get caught in. You know, I guess I want to grab now onto that. Oh, well, then I'll just leave love. But um, Why not? But making that into a doing, you know, making that into a project. I see. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Well, it doesn't really work that way, does no, it? Because it the mind you, can make it. Yeah, the mind likes to make projects. Yeah. And you can watch that occurring. You can watch the thoughts start to swirl around. It's just habitual, you know, just kind of type A habitual thoughts. But you can also get used to not paying them much attention and really falling into love and being love. Because when you're being love, you know how when people are very busy on their project, even if they might be, you might sense them as a very loving person, but they're not able to give presence because they're not sitting in presence. So they're not actually able to show up for you as a person and meet you. And one doesn't experience that as love, even though they may have a tremendous amount of love in their heart. So there's this quality of sitting in the center of your being and really showing up, showing up for whoever shows up in front of you. That is an incredible gift and an ex- incredible expression of being. If you want to call that a doing, it's the doing that evolves out of being. Still not much doing going on over in my corner. <laughs> That's okay. If doing needs to happen, it will. It comes, it flows naturally. I always say, put first things first, as you've heard me say. Taking care of this, resting in the truth of this, being love, is the first order of business, as far as I'm concerned. And it may be the last as well, maybe the only. And then you see the ways that that, that love is of service. It can be of service. But it's no longer out of a sense of project, and it's no longer out of a sense of me building me up. So many of our projects, and they've been so tiring, have been about building me up, presenting me to the world. Here I am, world. Look at me, love me, respect me, talk about me. So much of our 
our drive and our ambition and our our thought is dedicated to that, the me project. But when we are really at home in ourselves, when we're really living in love and as love, all the things we were trying to get the world to give us, we're actually giving ourselves. So wouldn't it be kind of you to give you a break? Wouldn't that be a kind and loving thing for you to say, good job, Frank, you've been thinking about these things a long time, (laughs) but take a break. I need to give myself a diploma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I've been on the journey and I've been having a great time, actually, but I want a buddy. I just want somebody to play in the field with, you know? I can't let go of that. I mean, that's a, I'm, it's, I'm going along and it's okay being alone a good portion of the time. There are moments where, but it's like that conditioning, that dream that I want someone to swim in the ocean with or someone to go wander in that pond with. And okay. there's no one there. I can definitely understand the arising of that thought. It's a natural enough thought. There's no problem with that thought. But if you fix on that thought, every time you say it to yourself and you invest it such that you need to even speak it in a group, every time you do that, what you're also saying is, I'm in deprivation. It comes with it. Okay. Right? Now, the fact that it arises, that's fine. It doesn't matter how many times it arises. It may arise a hundred. It doesn't arise all the time. Right. So it doesn't matter how much or little even. But it arises, and that's very natural and normal, you know, as a biological creature. But to fixate on it and to really invest it and get into it and make it a big thing. Yeah. Like someone told me the other day that she was no longer interested in Dharma. She was interested in getting married. (laughs) And she wanted to put her attention on that. She wanted to really make it. And, I, you know, I just said, great, good, good luck with that. <laughs> but really what's happening in those moments is you're saying, I'm lonely. Yeah. I'm missing something. I'm not living my real life. My real life will happen when I find that mate, my soulmate out there. And it's deprivation. It's an experience of deprivation every time you tell the story. But when I go back to, no, Sarah, live in the moment. This is, this is enough. This is, this is good. You're not missing out. Then I, I think, well, maybe that's the belief. I'm still confused about. In your direct experience of not telling any story, you don't have to tell yourself the story that you're full, that you're connected, that you belong. You automatically experience it when you're not telling yourself a story that you're missing something, that you're lonely, that you're separate. Say, okay, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you're not telling a story about deprivation, when you're not telling a story that something is missing, you don't have to replace that story. With another. With a different story saying, I'm full, I'm whole, everything's fine. (laughs) I'm not speaking about adding a belief system. I'm speaking about experiencing directly the pure presence, the at-easeness, the beauty of simply being without that story. 
You don't have to add a story. You go into right into your own direct, true experience. Right now, Sarah, you're sitting on the throne. You're at the feast. You're the emperor walking around in his empire. You don't have to tell yourself that story. It's just what's so. Without the story of deprivation, that's what is so. That's the actual lived experience. You know, I was driving over here tonight, and it just felt like it just felt like moving through heaven in the traffic on sunset, and I mean, it was just just beauty. And loveliness to be alive. I know that story you're telling very well. I used to tell it. I would say I told that story quite intently for three decades. Yeah. But it's, I feel like I have all this hunting gear. So now, what do I do? Give up the hunt and throw away my hunting gear? I think so. If you want to be on the hunt, if you like the feeling of hunting. No, I don't. It's yes. awful. <laughs> okay. 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 And it's the same with the projects, letting go of the projects. It's like. Any story that tells you you are in deprivation that somehow you can't be happy now, okay. somehow it's going to happen in another time, okay. when this other thing happens, so any of those stories. So it's okay to sit and just be, and if you create, fine, and if you don't, that's okay too. And if you, if you find yourself madly in love with someone who you can dance and celebrate and swim in the pond with, hallelujah, all the better, great. But don't buy into that expectation. Right. It may not work out that way. Okay. And if it doesn't, don't hang it your happiness. It doesn't seem like it is, Catherine. And it may not. And it's sort of ending up being okay. Good. That's, what, that's, that's the okayness you want. The okayness that Thanks. is not fixed on a particular outcome. Okay. I, I know there's probably not a generalization you can make about this. But in general, (laughs) (laughs) with people that you've worked with, have you found that people that work extremely hard in their daily lives, they're just their work they do, that work really hard and and are, you know, consuming work. And do you, do you find that they are in general, general, more distracted or do you think that hard work is distracting as a lifestyle? No, I haven't found that. Necessarily. I work hard. (laughs) I handle a lot of details every single day. Okay. Yeah. No, it's some other thing. Lots of people I know who are very quiet people, very quiet inside, have very intense, focused jobs and a lot of work many people so not to have any belief system around this now it's certainly possible of course that people who are are working very hard very caught up are distracted and don't and aren't able to somehow release it that's quite possible but a lot of this has to do with where it's all coming from when you're fixed on outcome on end game on future, then it's much more difficult to 
or I should say more thoughts keep coming when they're no longer useful. Like at the end of the day, when it's, no, it's not useful, it's just more busy mind. More thoughts keep coming if there's a lot of pictures about the future and about the outcome and about, oh God, what's going to happen if I don't get my way? You know, or if that thing doesn't happen. When there's an investment like that, those pictures will call many more thoughts. I have two okay, questions. Sure. Um, do you find that when you're not thinking, you're just observing? Observing, feeling, you know, sense, sensing. Yeah, mostly that. Mostly sensing and observing. Yeah. And my second question is... Um, I love the way I feel when I'm here mm-hmm. and I, I really feel like I get it. I, yes. I feel it. I know it. Yes. And, um, I'm a doer. I've been a doer and I really feel as though I'm working on my detachment to, you know, what you were saying before about the insurance of just letting things happen as they happen. Yes. But to me, sometimes it feels passive mm-hmm. or I think it's just uh, an old behavior of worrying Yes. But also just feels like I'm not doing anything (laughs) and I'm not. And it it feels a little passive. Yes. Can you speak to that? Yes. There can come a point when you know that, that the energy needs to move. And it's not that you're trying to do or project or anything like that. It's just that the natural flow of energy needs to move. It needs to express in some way. And you just know when it's time. And sometimes it's been building a while before it really, really, really is time. But I also have to say that when I was younger, I was very dedicated to doing and producing and having a body of work and feeling like I was engaged. And I was busy. I was doing, doing, doing. And I look back now and I see a lot of that was kind of spinning my wheels. A lot of it was much ado about nothing much. And since this whole thing shifted, there's been a lot of activity and a a lot of sharing of love and a lot of people connected. But it doesn't feel like I'm doing much. I mean, it doesn't really feel like I'm doing anything. You know, I'm handling details, like I said, but it's not like I'm, I'm mentally conceiving it. Do you know what I mean? I do. I compare it. When I write a song, I feel like I get out of the way and I'm just yes. the instrument. That's it. Right. That's it. And I, sometimes I don't even know what I'm even saying or writing about. It right. just comes out. It just and comes I just out. get out of the way. Being out of the way is really it. Right. Yes. It's new. I mean, it's... I'm practicing it. Yes. And I'm enjoying it, actually. Beautiful. Yeah. So you'll get used to knowing when it's time to move and when it's time to sit still. And when it's feeling a little passive, as you say, meaning it's a little low energy, you know, that something feels a little dull. Well, when I talk about the passive, I'm, I'm not working right now. And I can sit there and meditate all day and not do anything. And... Are you doing any creative thing? Are you writing songs? I am. I'm, I'm uh-huh. being creative. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, it's just different from the way I think it's supposed to be. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> and I just came from seeing my family last weekend, so a lot of that stuff came up about yes. just remembering and old old patterns. Yes, of yes. Their their stuff. Sure. That I took on, and and it's okay if um, I'm not upset or I'm not worried. I haven't been worried this week since I got back. I I get pulled, or I see how I could go there. Yes, but I'm not interested in that right now. Yeah, and that that worries me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It worries you that well, that I'm not worried. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, like, what's going on with me? I'm mm-hmm. not. It's just new. That's all, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I it feels so good, and that's what I think I get afraid of is that. It's not supposed to feel that. Yes. Hafiz has a line. Now that all your worry has proven so useless, why not find a better job? (laughs) My friend said, if I knew it was going to be this good, I wouldn't have worried as much. Yes. Yes. I know that. I know that one very well. Yes. Because it always works out okay. My... My life, everything has always been taken care of. So. Well, and the, and the okayness is, as I was saying, it's not about it's not about the specifics of the outcomes. It's about the lived experience inside, and that's where the okayness is, matters. There's lots of people who, who get this stuff. They get their dreams. Their dreams come true in terms of what they wanted, and then they're sitting there and they still don't feel okay. So feel okay, apart from, completely irrelevant to any outcome or circumstance. And of course, it's very easy to fall into the entrainment of family and culture that says, oh, you should be doing so much more, your potential, and so on. But who knows how your expression is meant to unfold Put first things first. Fall into this being. Fall into this worryless state. Let your creativity come from that. I do wonder how much further I'd be along if I hadn't stopped myself as much. By worrying or by... Or just, you know, have I been getting in my way in order to not be where I think I should be further (laughs) along? Well, we can't, you know, we can't go back and be more awake at any previous time, so... It took all of this (laughs) to finally say, okay, now I'm just going to sink into beingness and it's just going to be fine, however it plays out. What's interesting in my own case is that my my so-called effectiveness in the world, and it's not that I was trying to be effective, but the actual effectiveness has greatly increased ever since I gave up trying to be effective. <laughs> you know, I used to try to be effective. I used to want to do important things. I was trying to make this big difference. And, and I, I don't fault anyone who's doing that work and loving it and, and doing a great job and so on. Great, wonderful. We need people to do that. <laughs> but it wasn't true for me. I was doing it out of a should. I was doing it out of, I liked the way it looked. It was good for my me project. Looked good on my little resume about who I was. But finally I saw how empty that was. It wasn't feeding me at all. I wasn't living as love. 
in those days. So it fell away. And then when I, I really had just given up on the projects and was just hanging around, really, just living as, as this. Then, you know, Dhamma Dialogues started happening and retreats started happening and it's been just this really beautiful unfolding. But it's not out of any idea or any ideology or me wanting to be effective in the world or even thinking it's making any big difference. I mean, maybe it is to some people, but it's not that that's why this is happening in my mind. And I've seen this with so many people I am close with that their most beautiful creative expression, whatever that is, and I don't mean it has to be anything big, but just it comes out of this kind of relaxation. It comes out of out of feeling completely at ease in yourself. I mean, I think that's where beautiful art comes from. And all beauty in relationship comes from. It's really that. You're just in service to, to love. You're just saying, I can't even believe how fantastic it is to be here for this span of time that is actually quite short. And you just find yourself in gratefulness and celebration. And then I think really true art, true beauty, true service then can come. The rest of it, I mean, the world doesn't need more doing. (laughs) I'm kind of new to this whole thing, and I like being here. I feel like moving in. or (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I wouldn't mind moving in here, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I wonder how long it would take before they'd notice we were living here. <laughs> or following you or you know. Um in the beginning when you you're just telling your story, I feel like you kind of answered some questions, but I mean I feel like I come here, you know, on Saturday and then the whole week I just it's gone. And, you know, I have anger. I have a lot of things going on. And that's why I want to move in. <laughs> move in to the home that, that recognizes this. There's something very strong in you that recognizes this and is totally ready to move in. Right? And take over. Yeah, I feel like I need um, reminders. Encouragement, yeah. You know, yeah. every minute. yeah. So give those to you. (laughs) (laughs) And I, of course, want the answer. I want the answer and how to do it, you know. Well, you you must know at this point there's not a how-to. There's only the loving of of the taste. That's all that's needed. That's the only how-to there is. You love the taste of this more than you love madness and tension and being out of alignment with your true self. That's it. That's all that's needed. Then you really are at home. You don't have to move in to anywhere else. You're at home. It goes with you. (laughs) Thank you.
Um, I heard you last um, Thursday night at uh, midnight uh, on the radio. And uh, Was it on Thursday night? Nice. Okay. Dynamite uh, radio for night people. <laughs> I, I do want to ask you about the direct experience, whether it's the small direct experiences or the big direct experience, and whether we are going to purify, whether the senses need to be purified to have them, or whether we don't need our senses to get there. I'll approach this as best I can in terms of what I've understood you uh, having asked, and if, if it's not quite accurate, let me know. You don't have to purify anything. You don't have to purify the contents of your mind at all. I always say, assume it's depraved. <laughs> assume it's completely mad. Maybe it isn't, but just allow it to be if it needs to be sometimes. You don't have to purify the contents of the mind whatsoever. You have to notice only that which is completely pristine always. That of you which has never uttered a word. That essence, that, that primary presence that has always been perfectly okay. Nothing has stuck to it. Nothing has marred it or stained it or ruined it. It's always been just fine. And then the conditioned thoughts, they keep coming. You don't have to, don't have, to have any idea that you're going to land in some big direct experience where suddenly it all changes. Your entire program of mental habits is going to change. That's not necessary. It may change some, but it, it doesn't need to. You will experience freedom no matter what is arising. Very easy, very, very ordinary in a way. What about my, my bad karma and needing to acquire good merit? I don't have any belief in any of that. Very liberating. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was very liberating for me too when, it really, when I really saw that, because I, I attached to that hope and, and story. Again, for a few decades. <laughs> Seems to take a long time for me to... <laughs> but anyway, I, I had that as my, one of my banners of, of how it all works. And there came a point when I realized I just didn't know, and I started to suspect that no one else did know either. <laughs> and I would hear people speaking, and when I, I would hear people speaking as if they knew, I started noticing a discerning awareness would arise in me and say, wait a minute, they're speaking about things they cannot know, and they're speaking as if they do know. So something's, you know, my, my radar would just go off. So this belief system began to fall away. Now, at first, that was a little scary, because one of the things I liked about the belief system in karma and vipaka, which is the results of karma, was that it leveled the playing field. It made everything just. You know, you could look around 
And if someone was behaving badly, you'd think, okay, they're going to get it, you know? (laughs) And if someone was reaping rewards galore, you would think they deserved it. Somehow it all was working out. So that, that made justice. It made this cosmic justice story. And because as a child I had a lot of issues around justice, it, it was a great belief system to have. But when that started breaking up, cracking up, and falling away, I was left with facing injustice, with no story that was going to make it all turn out fine. And at first, it was depressing. But what has happened over time and through falling deeply in love with life itself is saying okay to injustice too. And that is a very powerful spot to sit in with no story that makes it okay. I'm not telling a story that it's all perfect, anything like that. I'm saying, yes, there's injustice, and it's hard, and it's sad, but okay, here it is. It gets to be here, here in life. It's part of life, part of what happens here. Because this this thing that we're in, I was just thinking about this yesterday, I guess, just how intense it is here. (laughs) You know, just how it's like... I mean, we go along. Many people try to find ways to dull out how intense it is here. But it is really, life is amazing. It's, it's profound. It's joyous. It's tragic. There's loss. There's love. And it's kind of all happening every day. This huge event. <laughs> and to just sort of just sit in complete wonder about all of it and have no story that makes it all work out. Only direct experience. Having only that, having only your passionate love for this and your passionate okayness for this. And that's all you're left with. And that's the truth. So you're also left living in the truth. And suddenly, you know, everything kind of ratchets up a few levels in terms of the brightness of it and the intensity of it. And even the horror of it is more horrible. It's like everything gets amped up. And then you wonder sometimes, can you bear it? You know, can you bear this much beauty? Can you bear this much horror? And you find that you can. So no project about purifying, undoing, redressing, none of that. It's like Alexander the Great and the Gordian Knot. Do you know that story? So there's a myth, maybe it was true, of this knot that was impossible to unravel. And the king had offered some huge reward for anyone who could come along and and unravel it. And many, many, many people had tried. But it's said that Alexander the Great came along and took out a sword and just slashed through it. 
So in this recognition, you're not trying to undo, untie, fix, and repair, and patch up all that went before. You cut through immediately to this very now, the perfect presence of this very now, the clear, unstained consciousness to which nothing has ever been written on. And you recognize that, and you know in that instant that that's always so. And you just keep recognizing that. And then the story just drifts and fades. It's like ghosts. <laughs> This has been In the Deep. You can find our podcast on many of the major podcast platforms, as well as on our website, katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session and see the schedule of upcoming events. We rely on donations for the production of these podcasts, and we're grateful for your support by donation, which in the U.S. is tax deductible. We're also grateful for your reviews or for simply sharing these podcasts with your friends. Till next time.